welcome to Planet NOLA. I'm your host, Mary Jacobs. And before I introduce our guests, I have to give a few disclaimers for the first time ever. Um, the AC is out in our studio where we record, so we've got a swamp cooler going, which is just two fans in front of an ice chest full of ice. Um, so you might hear it. And I'm not sorry. It's so hot. We're probably going to drink some water throughout this thing. Another disclaimer, an exciting thing, is that if you're watching on YouTube, we flipped where we record. So we're just recording on the opposite wall. We're in the same place. Um, don't worry. Uh, and yeah, I think that's all my disclaimers. I'm going to introduce our guest, guys. I am like so excited because this person um, is my, like, I think you're like the first guest I've had that I'm just a fan of you like we don't really know each other mm, you know sweet. and so it kind of feels like you know i've made it i'm like this is a person <laughs> that isn't doing me a favor you yeah. know <laughs> like yeah. you're feels... going a lot further don't yeah worry. yeah if, oh thank you yeah, yeah. um but so it means a lot that you're here all right some of you might know this person as rusty laser mm -hmm. local dj fame and some of you might know him as jay pennington mm -hmm. um of new orleans airlift music box village um former manager of stars such as Big Frida, Nikki Debbie, I feel like you have to recognize at least one of those buzzwords I just said, <laughs> which is why it's such a big deal you're here. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm it's so really excited. Nice. Yeah. And you're a fan of the podcast. I am, straight up. From the day one, I've been impressed with all of them. <laughs> I mean, I'm a New Orleans lover. Yeah. So, you know, I want to just soak it all up. Man, that's how I feel. I'm like... It is like a little bit, of, it's so cheesy to say this, but it feels like a love letter. Yeah. I'm like, I love this place. I love these people. Yeah. And there's a lot of other people that feel that way. Yeah. There's two kinds of letters people always want to write about New Orleans, like love letters to New Orleans. And then the Dear John, I'm leaving. Oh I'm done. my God. <laughs> you were beautiful. I fell in love with you the moment I came, but my car got broken into four times in one week. <laughs> and now I have to move away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take the Dear John. I mean, the... I love the New love letters. New Orleans. Yeah. yeah, those are the ones. You know, I I remember after Katrina that we had like an assignment in school where it was like write your love letter to New Orleans, and it was the I mean unbelievable teenagers right. who are heartbroken. Oh, like you some I wish I had mine. I'm about to cry just hearing it. It was just so angsty and like oh so heartbreaking. Yeah, anyway, yeah. um, well thank you so much for being here. Yeah, really uh, happy. It's. It's truly an honor. I don't even know where to start because I feel like you've accomplished and done so much. And I will say, like, before I, like, I feel like I've only ever kind of casually met you in passing at parties and yep. stuff. Yep. I know you know my friend Ben. Um, and so we've never really chatted, but you are somebody that I think is a really good example of why I even invented this podcast. It's like you're somebody mm. who has a lot of hands, a lot of fingers, or a lot of hands and a lot of pots, as they say. Yeah. And you're an artist. And so I just, that's, to me, that's like the definition of somebody that finds the city and thrives here. Absolutely. And you're just kind of like a poster child for that. <laughs> Do you identify with po that? Poster adult. I'm poster definitely, adult. <laughs> I'm definitely no longer a child. Uh, yeah, I do feel that way. I mean, it, it really, I didn't ever, I grew up in Texas, so I didn't really want to live just a few hours away from home ever. Like I thought that I would move away from Texas and never look back, yeah. live as far away around the globe, like live as far away as possible. And uh, it just, you know, we came here after some weird travels and sort of sunk into this place. And it was like, you know, an, a day or two after moving here, I had like 40 new friends <laughs> straight up. And, uh, and then, you know, was playing, I've been a drummer my whole life and was playing music next to people who were in their 60s, 70s and 80s. And I was like, this is it like yeah. this is, this, as an as an artist 
Like you can work in the industry of art in better places, you know, mm-hmm. L.A., New Talk York. all the time, yeah. Yeah, but to really just like just live your life as an artist or a musician or whatever for me, mainly musician, do you re- I, it instantly opened up to me and, and has never let me down one single time. You know, maybe certain times I go like, oh, if I only lived here, I could do X, Y, and Z, but all that's over, uh, yeah. over I know what you mean. Shadowed. No. Yeah, I know exactly what you yeah. mean. It's like I could go somewhere else and maybe have this other version of a life, but like, why on earth? To what end? Yeah, 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 yeah. why on earth? Like, yeah. what? How is that any better than what I got going here? All those places are way better to visit anyway. Like visiting it's, LA is awesome. I, visiting I New York is awesome. I fully agree with you. I yeah. fully agree with you. I, I always tell people I actually love LA and New York. I yeah. love those places. Amazing. I could never live there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the experiences I've had in those places are so unique and awesome that I don't think. Like here, playing with 80-year-olds on stage is repeatable. You'll do it through your whole life, yeah. and you'll be one of those 80-year-olds on a stage at some point, still playing music and being vi- vital into your old age. But like my first time ever to go to – my first night I was ever in Los Angeles, I hung out with Liza Minnelli all night long. <laughs> straight with, so you had an exceptional. So I was like, this is, you don't go anywhere from this. You know, this is the end of – like if I live in L.A., this will never happen again. So why One time I went to Vegas and I was there with a uh, like a touring old reggae band. And <laughs> so they all wore suits. And oh, they were all poor because they were a touring reggae band. Sure. But they had played at like the Hard Rock. Right. Um, and – I had money at the time, and so I wanted to play blackjack. This, right. this story just reminds me, because you went to L.A. and had this L.A. experience. Yeah. I went to Vegas, and I played blackjack and was winning and had five handsome men in suits behind me the whole time. <laughs> and I'm playing on the $5 table, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and I, yeah. I remember having a moment just being like, this is it. I've done it. <laughs> Isn't that so funny? And it's funny, people that we're talking about this is because people come to New Orleans, and they're, like, looking for the NOLA. Right. They're constantly right looking for like they want to have this authentic experience to the point where a lot of people will force it or fake it like or they move here and they force it and fake it and i think that that's another reason why this podcast exists is to be like hey here's all this stuff that's really going on and here's how really to participate in art and music and culture in our city that isn't this like almost like a tourist in your own city like some people a lot of people you know just consume and they don't actually contribute and we need people that just consume but i think there's a way to do it where you're still in community with what you're consuming yeah um so it's so interesting. I like just lost my train of thought because I thought about community again because you're definitely somebody that really values community overall. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I thought when I, cause I'd already managed freedom and stuff by the time we opened music box and done other things with, uh, with airlift. And I kind of thought at that point, well, I kind of know everybody in town. Like, you know, just, I've been around for a while. I've been playing drums for years. I've been in multiple bands. Like I've, I've, I know everybody. And then we opened the music box and I warned my partner, uh, Delaney. I was like, we're going to run out of people pretty quick musicians to be, to play in this space because of what I knew of what was going on. Completely wrong. I think I've met 150 more people since some more artists since, uh, opening music box in 2016 or the permanent version. And what I've found is that the authentic version of New Orleans is, is yeah, there's all these incredible musicians playing what you came here for as a tourist, like playing yes. trad jazz and all that stuff, which is fucking great. That's also what got me to right. sort of stick it out here as a drummer. But those same people, Aurora Neeland and so many others, are oh. have these rich, broad, deep, creative, intense lives that, that supersede the trad jazz part of who they are yeah and so we get this like awesome double layer of of who people are and what they present to the world when i met sun pie barnes i'd seen his name on the 
you know, jazz fest thing forever. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, this random dude's on Pi Barnes who plays, you know, sort of fol sort of folky music. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then I find out he's ex-NFL. He was uh, uh, in the crazy. Forest Service. He's doing a dic uh, uh, the first, like, dictionary of Creole, of the Creole language. Like, all these things where that, that were, it's almost like you don't just know 20 people in New Orleans. You know 50 people because of all the layers of who they are that they're not sharing with everybody else. And I that's mean, the community part people don't get. I know? didn't know that you were a drummer. There you go. Yeah. Like, most I know. don't know you as a drummer. Yeah. You know, I yeah. know you as it's so fun to hear that. Yeah. And like, this is the thing my friends tell me. It's like, well, you've done so much. And I've like, yeah, I've had like 28 identities. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. that. And is, we're also fluid here that we're we're moving constantly. And it's not. Your inspiration. Yeah. So you really do get to know people only at this moment that you get to know them. And then you get to peel the layers back and know them more deeply as opposed to in other places where who they are and who they've like made themselves publicly is soul is their soul identity yeah, yeah and one of those things is a commodity and one of them is being in community i think 100 percent commodity versus community yeah i mean that's what it comes down to i really yeah. think i talk about capitalism so much on yeah. this podcast <laughs> <laughs> i mean honestly yeah. and in my house believe okay believe. cool yeah, yeah so it does i feel like you know, one of the things capitalism has bred is people feeling both incredibly connected and incredibly disconnected. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that Truth. is because people are buying a commodified, commodified, however you say it, version <laughs> of a thing. Yeah. New Orleans is jazz and gumbo. And right. it's like, this is a jazz musician. It's yeah. like, no, that jazz musician is a second line performer and like all these things creole right. has this like yeah. history you know yeah. does electronic music yeah you never freaking know no you don't really know and i'm grateful for that because i do like having i am a multiple identity person as is betrayed by the fact that i have two names right exactly but I, I like these different pieces of my life to not necessarily exist in a vacuum but to know that like i can dip into this one i can dip into that one it's okay to like be this one person in one situation and another person in another situation as long as that's like appropriate authentic to, to yourself yeah exactly and to who I am and you know there's people who know me there's people who will never ever in my life know I'm a drummer you know uh, period I and wouldn't there's people know. who will never know I manage Big Frida who yeah in, in the same way you know mm -hmm. I meet like people who are younger much younger and they don't have any clue about any of that stuff well art for me is making friends period like, yeah that's all it is I just I you know I'm a outgoing in an outside world introverted in my house kind mm -hmm. of person so if I'm at home I'm completely cut off from the yeah. outside world and if I'm out in it I I mean I can't absorb enough of what people are giving and who they are and get to know enough people in my lifetime and art just like greases the wheels you know it just makes so it real it makes it easy to do that commodity is second to that which is why I'm still poor poor <laughs> like after all the work that I've done well yeah. to my life yeah, I'm yeah, right yeah. there with you I'm yeah. right there with you yeah. it's so interesting but like I mean, it's real like sad to say it, but it's like, but I'm above it. It's okay. Like, right. I don't need money. I'm so happy. Right. Like, because I am. I am so rich. I tell this to my partner all the time when we're really struggling. I'm like, we are so rich in yeah. so many things that a lot of people are very poor in. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of very wealthy people will never even be rich in at all. You yeah. know, Truth. like love and art and authenticity and like connection and all these things that we're really lucky to be yeah. rich in. Yeah. But sometimes it's like, wouldn't it be nice if I could, <laughs> you know, maybe have yes. a car that had air conditioning? hundred million percent. You know, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. would be nice. I'm just not having kids. Yeah. That's my, that's my solution to that problem. It sucks because I want kids, you right. know? And I'm like, this is BS. Yeah, I'd be yeah. a great parent. Right. But I can't put them in my 900 square foot apartment, you know? <laughs> Sounds awful. Oh Truth. my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's so, I, you know, I, um, 
I heard you call yourself something. I, you know, I research everybody that comes on. It's, Fair enough. That's, I, you know. Um, and I heard you call yourself on something. You called yourself a doula. And you said it really in passing. Mm. And I was like, I call myself a doula. Mm. Do you, what do you think a doula is? Like, what is it to you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I'm not necessarily the one always having the baby. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm just like shepherding the energy that it takes to get it done. Yeah. And um, standing there with, with oven mitts ready to like catch whatever is coming out. Like, yeah. And, uh, and a lot of times that role um, sort of does make me feel a little bit behind the scenes, even when I know I'm not. Exactly. You know, but yeah. I'm, uh, people who I just have learned, like the people who recognize that, recognize that and the people who don't. 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 And that's the way that And it you're is. probably secure and don't need the validation of the people that don't recognize uh, that. I like it. You're like. <laughs> <laughs> the, I did a project recently where we took a bunch of New Orleans people to Arkansas. And one of the, um, we got a bunch of like, com- we took like 60 artists to mm-hmm. Arkansas for this performance. And uh, and I got, we got these comment cards afterwards with with the, like survey questions. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the, one of the comment cards was like, you know, um, it's, it's easy to imagine that someone could erroneously believe that jay or rusty's like relaxed attitude uh means that he's like neither paying attention nor cares about the experience of the artist but that's wrong you yes know? and i like, feel like that is like my I'm, I'm not a big high energy person even no. though i work a lot of hours yeah you know, i do a lot of things i get mistaken for that person a lot like yeah people think i because there's so many little things you can attach to who i am that mm-hmm. i do a fuck ton of stuff and I do, I do a lot more than some other people do, but a lot of it is like, back to the doula thing, I'm really feeding off of the desire to see things exist in other people's expression as much as my own. And like this feeling that I really am not, you're never probably going to hear of my solo record coming out or like some independent, completely independent thing that I've done. I tend to like... You work well with others. I like groups. Yeah. yeah. yeah, I like groups. I heard being a doula described as once, and I was like, this is what I identify with it. Mm-hmm. I, I heard it as, you're not the one having the baby, but or whatever, mm-hmm. you can be doula to many things. Sure, sure. You're not the one having the baby. You're there to remind the person who's having the baby that they can have the baby. Ooh. You're there, there you to go. like make them remember that they can do it. Wow. And that's a huge I'm going to hold on to that. That's really good. Right? And when, and that's why you can have a doula of so many things. There's death doulas now. There's, there's really so many people that are there and you could call it other things. You could call it mentorship. You could call it just being a leader, like a a life coach, you know, which it's, it's not, it's all of those things and none of those things. True. Um, But I know what you mean. It's like, I'm the same way. Like I have my hands in a lot of pots and like, I'm able to like exist in these worlds and like help build these worlds up. But at the same time, like I really like, I mean, I think this is very new Orleans of us. I really like chilling. <laughs> I like chilling and I, doing yeah. nothing. Yeah. 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 You I know? tell people that all the time. I'm, I mean, I'm fortunate that, that I remember new Orleans pre Katrina vividly. Um, when I moved here, it was like 90. Much different place. Oh, yeah, so Much unbelievably different, different. Place. 96, I think, or 95 when I first showed up here. And I, you know, I worked at Poppy's. I don't know if you remember this place. It was like a Clover, Clover Girl Sister restaurant no. across the street from Pat O'Brien's. And I worked at the night shift. I made about 180 bucks a night waiting like, you Damn. know, 60 seats or whatever. Good money. Paid 40 bucks a month in rent. Hell yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a house, it was a shitty place, but whatever. Yeah, Who cares? yeah. And I spent all the rest of my time reading books, you know, oh. like just an immense amount of time reading books. And I'm from the Texas of, and I just watched this movie last night with my partner, which is hilarious because she's 
much younger than me, 17 years younger than me. So we have, you know, markedly different realities, but yeah. both Gulf Coast people. So we right. both feel similarly about a lot of things. But we were watching Slacker, which is the Richard Linklater mm-hmm. film. And that movie, you know, she's well, about halfway through, Jamie's like, does anyone have a job in this movie? You know? <laughs> it's all just people walking around, just bumping into <laughs> each other. And I was like, kind of no, you know, it's 91. Like you really didn't have you to. You chilled. You didn't have to have uh, 10 jobs for starters. But, oh, you, but you really didn't have like ridiculous rent. You didn't really. In one of the scenes, somebody has moved out of the house and they're standing in the room like with all this the stuff is gone. The guy's gone and nobody knew he even left. And somebody's like, can I have this room? And they're like, yeah. And then he just walks out of the house, you know, like, <laughs> it's like, okay, well, this sooner or later he'll move in. You know, like there wasn't all the pressures that we're under now are so different and have changed. It's so everything much. so immediate now. Yeah. Chilling is like such a different thing now. It it's, is. it's almost impossible to do. And we have to have things like the nap ministry and like all these different um, sort of awesome um, but also why do we have to have them, um, uh, sort of arguments for stopping, you know, for just like taking a pause and just fucking reading a book or. Yeah. Whatever. I think, I think that we've been trained with these like dopamine hits all the time Ooh, from guilty. the internet and from delicious food and yeah. everything that gives you a dopamine yeah. hit that like, yeah. we don't know how to not, we're completely addicted, you know, yeah. we don't know how to just like stop. And I've been practicing. I'm like, guilty of it. I'm practicing, me too. Yeah. I mean, I'm, first of all, I love the internet. I'm a, you're a big internet person too. I love, it. I love, I love it. the internet yeah. and I always have, you know, I remember in like 2002 having a live journal, you yeah. know, like I loved yeah. it and I was 12, yeah. you know, <laughs> and I loved it then. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that there's great aspects to it. But a thing that I'm really coming to terms with yeah. lately is that it keeps me from, truly relaxing because it's not relaxation when you stare at your phone you think you're relaxing but you're not actually your dopamine's going you're learning i mean i read the other day i was like i don't really read as much as i used to and then i was like oh my god i read so much a day yes i read hours a day i love a long caption i love an article i love i love reading on my phone right and i'm like i really don't relax as much as i thought i did you know and so it's different though it's like reading at a party versus like <laughs> it's so true. versus like sitting in your bed at home with not with no other distractions and and exactly. really absorbing you know so yeah i, f- I definitely feel that as well yeah it's I, I cleaned off my vanity in my apartment and like my favorite thing now is to just like stare at myself in my mirror and like nice. pick my skin and like do my <laughs> facial routine you know and i'll just like sit there and look at myself for like 10 or 15 minutes now every there you day go. and i'm like this is so relaxing to me yeah. have you ever shut off your instagram completely or anything never yeah well because i run our we have my partner and i have a business right. and so i run that's that. the trick is when it is your business which yeah. is yeah and then my styling is. business is only on instagram right i don't have a website i have anything i run yeah. it all on instagram yeah and and I'm addicted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Most importantly. And number one, um, I love the internet. So yeah. I admire anyone who can do it. I feel like at this point, like I, I'm able to put it. If I stop posting, I find that it, it helps. But all in all, like I like the thing I was saying before, like I am an introvert at home and I live with an introvert who's really good at it and showed me, has shown how me to the, be a good, has introvert. shown me the way. Yeah. A hundred million percent. But there is a uh, part of me that's like, this is my, this is a social world for me. Like, uh, yeah, me I'm, too. Yeah. I'm quick to, to dodge out. If, if I post something and people don't like it, or if anyone makes even one comment, I'm just like, take it down because <laughs> straight up, because I don't want to be fun. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm at a, it's like being at a dinner party and I don't want to have like uncomfortable, shitty conversations at a dinner party. Like yeah, it, it's, no. that's what that space is to me. Yeah. It's the public, it's a public space. So yeah. it, like it gives me that sort of release, but it definitely is not like the same 
unwinding that you're talking about. Like yeah. that, that I think it's funny. I was actually thinking I was going to ask you about your relationship with the internet because you're somebody who you're older than me just mm-hmm. by a little bit. 51. Yeah. Just a little older than yeah, me. Ancient. Um, but <laughs> you, you've been an artist long enough that you didn't have social media. Oh God, it was great. I mean, when I lived first moved to New Orleans, nobody had landlines. You had to like go at landline, by the way. Is a, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you should tell them. I got young. I do have it's young. a phone that's attached to the wall. Um, no, people used to, uh, you know, if you wanted to find your friend, you got on your bike and you rode you your bike. You go drive by their house. Fa- yeah. And yeah. they were likely probably trying to find you too, which made it really yeah. un- inconvenient. Yeah. But also we just lived inconvenient lives, you know, like yeah. it was just the way it was. I'd say the biggest change is in the, is in the, entertainment and art space like as an industry for me that was the that was what really hooked me unfortunately on the internet was because I was like in five or six bands during MySpace and things like that and it was just what bands were you in I don't want to talk about it Really? Yeah, Are yeah. they all canceled now? Every oh, one of them? everybody broke up after Katrina. It was oh, horrible. Yeah, one dang. of them was my partner and me, like just a duet. And then there Trauma. were like, Crooks and Nannies was probably the one I liked the most. So I'll mention that one. That was okay. um, Walt McClemens, who goes by Lonesome Leash now. And uh, yeah, there was just tons of like. What kind of music? Um, so five different bands. It was like everything from like kind of dark, swampy sort of Nick Cave type stuff in a in a group that was like eleven people mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. like strings and you know Whoa, okay. the whole thing and then piano and drums duet with my partner which mm. was kind of like cabaret-ish but Fun. also noisy you know high energy yeah. um, i just think surely i saw you perform when i was in high school because i was a little yeah. ska punk kid so i was yeah. going to like the big top and the vfw halls and i was yeah. going to um the high ground in cyprus yeah and I wasn't going to really like cool indie stuff. It was mostly like dirty little punks and metal kids, you know? It was kind of like that. Yeah, you know? that I mean, was we my vibe. We weren't a lot more elevated in some Okay, ways, cool, great. You know? Like Cooks yeah. and Nannies was a, we called it old-timey new wave, which was All like right. dark, minor key, old-timey music. You it know? still feels more heady than the ska bands I listen to. Probably a little, like, yeah, slightly elevated. Slightly. Club but, stuff. but also Club like stuff. I was dating musicians, so I was always going to Voodoo Fest, and mm-hmm. when Voodoo Fest was dope. Yeah. Do you remember when Voodoo Fest was very cool? It was amazing. Yeah, uh, right up through, right up through, the first one after Katrina, which was really that was the a last heartfelt one. kind of experience. Yeah, that was me. the last one. Yeah, 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 that was good. I agree. I mean, that, that wasn't the last one I went to, though. Yeah, I went to them until I graduated high school. I was a sophomore when Katrina yeah, yeah, hit. Yeah. So, yeah. But Voodoo Fest for those who don't know used to be so cool. Yeah, the name notwithstanding, it's a it's a outstanding. Truly, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. But the festival was so cool. It was like very yeah. indie. It was very like scrappy yeah it felt so scrappy but really authentic i remember just being like 13 and being in the mushroom booth the mushroom the store on broadway (laughs) would bring their entire store right like you could walk through their store in the middle of city park yeah we need something back i mean buku just canceled for next year too and voodoo fest is done right i guess so yeah i think they broke up too buku voodoo steven rehaj uh, i guess sold it to live nation and now it doesn't exist great i know so we do need something like that i mean we do it will something will come along to replace that energy but i hope so but i don't know on such large scale it's like this is a thing that i wonder if you suffer with it's like i have all these ideas and i'm like i don't have the large scale abilities to make these things come true and sometimes there are things where i can't just get a friend to be like hey you want to make a podcast with me sometimes there are these big scoping ideas that I'm like, hey, I could work on this and I like know it would work, you right. know, just because I I know it would work. Yeah. But like I don't have the resources, the knowledge, the people. Right. Right. It's just like the people with the money have the money and they 
should give it to us. That's why I'm not very precious about ideas. You know, like just I give them away if, all the time. Me too. If I have a good idea, I'm oh. like, please, you do it. Like yeah. if I tell you about it and you seem really excited about it, maybe we'll do it together. Yeah. But maybe you'll just go do it and I get to go to it. Yeah. Which is it's really, awesome. Yeah. 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 That's You're like, I, I want really, it to exist. That's all I really care about. Yeah. Like I want the thing to exist. Yeah. So I, that's exactly how I feel yeah, about yeah. ideas. Yeah. Unless like I have a couple of things that are just right next to my heart that pretty much only I can do. You know what that I mean? That you think you'll do. Yeah. So, that yeah. I think I'll do but it's like how many much life do I have to live I can't possibly Mm-mm. do all the things that I really want to do or yeah. that come to me that I think are good ideas yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a double-edged sword because if you had the money to do them you might do them poorly true which I see happening with like so true a lot of like development of neighborhoods and development of of things in the city where you're like oh you just had the money to do that but you don't have the skills but you should have really thought about whether or not anyone needed it yeah or it, was, like, it was worth it yeah the market research or, or whatever yeah or even just understand your own community i think a lot of developers sort of live in a bubble outside of the communities that they mm. are developing over like they're laying their wealth on top of people who don't ha- who may have better ideas or may have ideas that could like enrich a developer's concept but instead they just have the money to be able to do it and i just i think about it know, all the time i try to get in there early with developers like <laughs> try to I know. try to talk to them because i need to you know, know more developers developers are just people with money yeah that's all that's it's all like how do i be people that have money that want to invest money right it's like i'm a good person to invest with how do i convince how you, to do you this? how old am i yeah sorry to be rude um, wait i know you don't have to answer i tell people i'm 29 okay fair enough yeah, yeah. and i say i'll be 29 till i'm 50 and then i'll be 30 <laughs> perfect but well, i was in sophomore high school when katrina hit yeah i think you live in a slow <laughs> town though you know what yeah. i mean so it takes a it just takes a long time to know all those people but Meet the longer yeah the longer i've lived here the more it's sunk in and the more i've met people that i never expected to know and right that, and i've probably never would have met if I like developers at the level that I meet here or anyone with like money and influence in the level I, of the people I meet here I think I only meet them because we live here right. if those same people in New York would never you even would never no it would never even cross my path that's the the plus side of New Orleans is that eventually like in this tiny little pond and you'll bounce into people with all kinds of crazy influence and stuff well you know? it's really cool in this city to support artistic endeavors too that's true it's very trendy you know <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and it, it's you actually can make a mark if you're one of those people and you really want to like make things better for folks I, it's you know there's some people who do it with like amazing style and 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 really understand the communities they're in and there's other people who absolutely do they just not. punish we call them punishers there you go <laughs> they like just punish us with their presence and like not realizing like, taking up too much space and not knowing that yeah they're doing it right so I'm glad sometimes that I don't just have money. So I can't <laughs> just do some dumb shit that I want to do. But you wouldn't. You're smart. You're not going to do anything <laughs> dumb. What would you do dumb? Oh, who knows? I mean, who really knows? Like, I'd step yeah. in some shit. I mean, every think so? uh, that's the thing about living here is that you're, you know, I wake up every day just being like, am I going to step in some shit? Today? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I feel like because I'm present on the Internet, for instance. So like yeah. people see what I post and I'm sure some of people, some people are just irritated that I'm there. Yeah. And then other people, I'm always just like, who's, you know, the, the world is full of people in this day and age who are out looking for, oh my you God. know, any kind of like Conflict, moment. Conf- they want to like fight. They want to. Yes. Yeah. It's so exhausting. It really is. But that's yeah. why building true community is really important i hope so because then this is what i always say on this podcast is like i fully plan to mess things up (laughs) i get things wrong all of the time fair enough you know just now i was trying to screw this screw in and i was like carrie it won't go and she's like you gotta try the other side (laughs) and i was like oh yeah like there is 
infinite possibilities yep. of me messing up. There you go. And someone else helping me get it right. Truth. And like the screw is a tiny metaphor, but like if it were something bigger and Carrie was in my community, she could still address me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's what community is about. And the internet does not facilitate true community because it's like you said, it's like I'd rather not fight with anybody on the internet because why? Yeah. It's not real, number one. True. Number two, it doesn't make me feel good. It's not actually making them feel good. You're not actually coming to any sort of resolve. Every conversation I've ever had in person that was conflict has gone a thousand times better than any conflict yeah. I've ever gotten on the internet. Yeah, yeah. You know? Any troll that I've ever been trolled by on the internet, my response is universally the same. Hey, you want to talk about it? Yeah. And in almost every case, they're like, no. No. I just want to, you know, I'm like, well, there's more to the story. Well, okay, that's fine. Then, you know, they just, you, that's not what that space is for. That space is for like. People to w- vent. Yeah, vent and just win stuff, you know, and like, and, and own a space or own a, or own an energy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I'm, I feel very, very lucky that I've like gotten to be active in this city as much as it can like tear people down, take people apart, mm-hmm. that I've gotten to be active without, without especially as a transplant on top of it yeah. without doing uh, excessive harm, you know, yeah. but, I, but I worry about it all the time. But yeah. the thing is, is if harm is done, you're somebody who wants to make it right. And that's really all that matters. Maybe so. You know, no, I'm don't want to make it right. <laughs> Actually, I want to make it worse for you. How do I double down? <laughs> some people maybe. No, D- some just people a few. for sure. Just a few. I'll yeah. Like, oh, is that making you unhappy? Hmm. Mm, great. <laughs> um, okay. We have to take a break. Let's take a break. We're taking a break. Hello, it's your host, Mary Jacobs. I'm sitting here with my producer, Carrie Mulder, and we are so excited to be bringing you Planet NOLA this episode and every episode. We really believe in this podcast Mm -hmm. and the work it's doing in New Orleans to build community, to reach out to people, um, and we really love what we do. Yeah, we love our guests, we love our audience, our listeners, we love each other. It's just a big love fest. So if you love this podcast and you believe in what we're doing, it would mean the world to us if you considered subscribing to our Patreon. We just launched it. The lowest tier is $5. Mm-hmm. And we are just really trying to get this podcast to pay for itself a little bit, mm-hmm. um, maybe support ourselves just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. We're both creative people who have a lot of projects, and this is a big one in our lives. So if mm-hmm. you love it as much as we love it, um, it would mean the world to us if you considered subscribing. There is bonus content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really fun. It takes a deep dive into the episode, kind of circle back to some of the topics they've been fun yeah Super we basically fun. record with the guests as soon as we're done their episode and do a more candid version of their podcast mm-hmm. it's shorter but it's more self-effacing and it feels like just real real you yeah know? it's it's bts behind the scenes it's the bts so if you want more planet nola content you could subscribe to our patreon and mm-hmm. get it it would mean so much to us so okay mm-hmm. we'll let you go back to your episode now but please okay. consider thank you bye This episode of Planet NOLA is brought to you by Vitality Community Fitness. Vitality is a functional training gym located in Metairie, Louisiana. And at Vitality, we focus on members as individuals. That's right. We don't want people together. We don't assume that everybody has the same goals when they step into our gym. We also don't push things like body ideals or diet culture. We try to focus on the full person and we try to give an experience that matches that. We've got incredible coaches. We've got an incredible community. And if you're looking for a place to call your new gym home, consider checking us out. We offer a three free class trial. That's right. Literally no commitment. You can try three of our classes in a week to see if our gym is for you because ultimately we want people who want to be there. And if it sounds like this might be the space for you, please consider checking us out. You can go to vitalitycommunityfitness.com, click the contact button and get started.
Hello and welcome back to Planet Nola. I'm still here chatting with my good old pal, Rusty Laser, a.k.a. Jay Pennington, man of many names. Um, we have been talking the entire break in classic Planet Nola style, so <laughs> it kind of still feels like you should jump right back in. But we were talking about, oh, you know what? I, I Something I really wanted to talk about with you. Go for it. it um, how are you a mentor to anybody? And what does that look like yeah. for you to be a mentor? And why do you do it? And what's the hang- like? What's the hard parts about it? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Everything. Yeah, that's an interesting question because I've always like kind of wished that I had a mentor. And if I look real closely at some people in my life, I think I do. But I, I'm also such a kind of go it my way person that I don't know that a lot of people have felt comfortable mentoring me because they're I'm doing things that are just so unique to who I am. I think we were saying that before. And so I don't know that I've really gotten to like be on the mentee side of a mentor relationship enough to understand how to mentor. So the only thing that I feel like I do is like, and this is informs like 90% of what my work is that's not being on a stage performing period, um, is try to like funnel talent into opportunity, you know, just like help people who have immense talents or who even just like care about what they're doing and care about where they are and what the, and who they are um, to kind of find avenues of expression for that that are either lucrative in some cases, like with Frida, it was money and like helping her under helping her get that her feet under her because she takes care of so many people in her life. Mm-hmm. For other people, it's just, you know, um, you have this immense skill. You just need to get out there and do some more of it. And people are wonderful and do the same for me. But that's my version of mentorship. It's like, let me just get you some opportunities or let me just find you a path that can help you. But I don't I don't know that I have in me a sort of defined notion of mentorship. You know, it just it takes feel- some level of like snobbery almost. <laughs> right? it's, yeah, a little bit like being a life coach or something. Which right. Is, it feels you know, really like. Yeah, cheesy. it feels a little bit. Yeah, it feels like something something, in a movie, right? It does. The people who are mentors in your life are just people talking to you. But in in a movie, they're, you know, thinking back to the guy who just got got nominated for an Emmy, who was the the sort of mentor character in Euphoria. I can't remember his name now. But, you know, he was, uh, you know, you're watching this person really mentor a character in something and it seems very defined because it's well defined. Right. But in reality, we're just talking right and so i think i've been a mentor to people just based on life experience and how much i share it and how gabby i am Mm -hmm. but uh, i think i've been a mentor but i don't know that i've ever really like entered into a a, any kind of relationship that's more formal i am your mentor it happens there are people out there in the world who do that with people all the time and god bless them like it's a real thing i get it it's different when you have like a job and there's somebody that you want to like Get, you know, you want to have their job one day, like the CEO yeah, or whatever. Right. If you're you, on a path or on a track. You're on, like yeah. people who have, this is an artist thing, I think, mentors. Yeah. Like, because people who have careers, they know who the astronaut is and they know that they want to be one. Right. You know, and it's very clear cut what the power dynamic is there. True. But we don't really have any power dynamics in our lives. Mm-mm. No, I avo- actively avoid them. All of us, I think we all do that. Yeah. Because that's why we're able to make art. That's what right. makes us artists. I, I, one of the many things right, right. that makes us artists. Yeah. So I hear you. Like I hear you. But boy, sometimes I just want one, and sometimes I'm. Like, <laughs> I, and a lot of times I feel like I am one to people. You might be my comedy mentor by, Listen, based on our off-camera conversation. That's true. Yeah, I think I did just convince you to I think start you just a comedy, mentored me into comedy and storytelling career. Thank like, you. <laughs> I am so. Listen, I will mentor you that all day long because I, I like I said, I, and I'll tell this to everybody because I think it's relevant. Yeah. 
if you feel like you've got a story to tell, you should tell it. Yeah, and tell it your way 100%. Be authentic to yourself. How do you want to tell the story? Yeah, I have a friend who's a comedian out in L.A. who's sort of well-known, and his one of his again like kind of mentor figures is bob odenkirk and and he said that they showed up him and his partner showed up in la and they were all set to like do the thing like get on tv shows and as writers and just do all the things that That you you, that you do that are not your specific voice you know yeah and um he was says that you know he every day he wakes up grateful that bob odenkirk was just like do none of that yeah absolutely none of it his only mentor advice was to absolutely do it all yourself yeah with your own voice figure out how how far you can take that and stick with it and there's no he was you know and that that is like maybe the maybe the only thing a mentor can really tell you if they see talent in what you're doing or if they see like the in that you already have maybe if you have no drive a mentor can give you drive right but if you have an internal sort of um uh, energy towards to do the things you're doing right i know you can do the thing i'm just here to tell you you should do the thing you should do the thing and you can do the thing yeah yeah it's the same exact thing it's very duly yeah 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 that's a a blessing mentor truth there you go (laughs) yeah i don't i might be offending some people who you know when i say like i don't think feel like i've ever had a mentor but i think it's just an internal thing i I know what you mean i know what you mean because everybody's got some advice that's helpful exactly which i am i mean four-year-olds have good advice that's helpful i'm not you know i'm not i'm not it's not a but i've always also been like when you know when i was 15, 16 years old in high school, my friends were all 40. So yeah, like I've never, <laughs> mine weren't that old, but I was the kid that had older friends. So maybe too. they were all mentoring me and I had yeah, no idea. You didn't even know it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's real. Yeah. It's real. I, and I also asked because I just been thinking about it a lot for myself. And also I think like, it's actually like a really beautiful and important thing that like a tradition we don't really think of anymore. We right. don't talk about anymore. I think it's like the people who do are doing it in a very like cheesy way. Yeah. Or like I have one friend who's a mentor and he's extremely good at it and he's extremely successful. So it makes That's sense that, that he would do that. He would like yeah. turn that energy back around and do something good with it. Right. So they're out there, but he all like he's in spaces that I can't even imagine going into as an artist where there it's like, I think there's artists who are like bound to make stuff. And I mean like bound, like bound, you're, you're, yeah. you have an inevitability yeah. in you that you have to Absolutely. make things. And then there's people who really need to be like drawn into what they're, what they're doing or mm-hmm. who they are. And he's like that guy. He's, yeah. he's like looking for the untapped um, people who don't know who they are and who don't know where to go. And I think mentorship, that's, it's maybe like its strongest suit. If the reason why you and I probably don't feel like we get a lot of mentorship right. is we don't, we aren't unformed. We aren't yes, lost. We know. Yeah. We just don't, maybe don't have the immediate physical resources we need. And that's a different kind of thing. That's not yeah. a mentorship. That's like, give me these resources. Yeah. Damn it. You know, like, give me that money. Give me that money or whatever. There's nothing I love more than someone who just likes to write checks, you know, Ugh. just like not, they don't want to get involved. Waiting. I'm still waiting. I, I learned a lot about it in, uh, in, in running music box. Like that was my first nonprofit airlift. Yeah. Airlift was the first nonprofit I ever ran. And that was like the first time I ever, um, brushed up against because being a commercial musician nobody's there's no patrons really you know not in that sense it was like first time I ever like brushed up against this world where you have to go looking for resources from from resourced humans right yeah and I still don't feel like I fully understand how to do that I feel like it's very political it and is and, and I don't do all it's of cultural that kind of too stuff. and I know and it's and I'm from a very broke-ass group of I have people that. and I don't, don't understand the culture. nuance of it at all mm-hmm. I don't understand the nuance of it at all because I'm very matter of fact I'm like mm-hmm. I like I don't want to do all this like tiptoe I don't know how to do it I, yeah. I just socially don't know how to do it 
I feel like everything that I've learned of of that is is the first stuff upon leaving airlift is the first stuff I want to like go off. Like, yeah. It's the first thing I want to not, I want to unlearn is everything right. it took to like, um, cause there are super rich people in the city that I really love and just like hang out with. And, and I think they're great people. Um, and I'm so proud of like their ability to recognize the city for what it is and support it. Yeah. They are patrons, but like they're, but they become friends. Mm-hmm. And then there's people who, you know, I don't, they're patrons that's first and foremost. And you have to have a sort of formal relationship with them. Right. Like, I, yeah. And I don't, I, I just have never really mastered that. You know? I struggle with that kind of stuff. I, we, t- we had a meeting at our gym last week and I was like, cause you know, my partner and I are a couple and we also co-own a business. Yeah. And it's like, I told our whole members, I was like, sometimes we're going to be a couple in here. Yeah. Like, it i am working on being professional but i i told everybody i was like ultimately i don't really want to be a professional person it doesn't it doesn't feel good to me to be professional because for me it means i have to be kind of like inauthentic and oh like peace not pc but like buttoned up a little bit and i don't Mm -hmm. that's that is so deeply uncomfortable it's so hard for me to do that yeah so i just sort of told everybody i'm like sometimes you might see us like bicker and like i'm really sorry yeah all you can do is trust that we love each other like we're gonna get married like (laughs) we're good you know like and i'm telling y'all that so y'all can feel good about it yeah i mean we're lucky that it's new orleans where that where people are more inclined to accept your reality like who you are as a human like i we i deal with you know Again, back to the airlift thing, but I deal with a lot of, you know, different kinds of people across that across that space. And some of them are these like very proper people who have a lot of like, you know, a a lot of ideas about what the right way to communicate is or whatever it Mm -hmm. is. And and we have definitely dropped the ball for those people a few times. And some of them, I'm sure, have walked away quietly and never like looked back. Right. You know, never really understood us or wanted to engage us because of it. But there and there is a a limit, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I, I. (laughs) <laughs> there's a limit to how much that kind of like th- how much arguing in 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 the service of like what you're passionate about is really worth it same with your relationship same with whatever else you know like i live with a risk i mean with a risk with a con uh conflict averse mm-hmm. person yeah and like I to love an, conflict Ooh, yeah, give it to, to an extreme degree <laughs> mm, eat it up, eat it up. <laughs> i love a fight i've i've taken every lesson i can from her at just not yeah not just i'm not yeah you know? i won't oh, i God, won't I love it. yeah my friend the ben that you know our friendship is just based on us fighting oh good like i, I like started that. working for him on his film we became an immediate friends and we would go out with the whole crew and we would just sit next to each other everybody's partying he loves we, to argue we would sit next to each other the whole <laughs> cast is partying it's our only night off of the filming week and we're just screaming arguing <laughs> at each other and everyone else in the crew is like, why yeah. are you two doing this? And it's like, we are best friends. Like, wow. we love to wow. argue. Wow. We argue so much about That's... so many things. I want him on the podcast so badly. When, you haven't done that yet? Yeah, it's weird when it's okay. like your best friend, you know? No, like, do it immediately. I know. Yeah. And my partner, too. Like, she definitely needs to come on the podcast. Yeah, and, and you. Think incredibly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, but it's different when it's... Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's going to be weird to like, yeah. put a mic in front of We'll watch you argue. Don't yeah. worry. Like, yeah. yes. Go ahead. Get, just <laughs> get in there. Fight. Let's fight. Yeah, yeah. Get um, in there. But yeah, so I one day he'll be on here. But I love arguing. <sighs> but I understand that this passivity and this conflict avoidance thing is actually what people consider professional. And like... That is what professionalism looks yeah, like. And, yeah, and like 
that's why I'm really bad at it. Yeah, you that's why I've never been able to work instead. for anybody, you know? Yeah, you go home and explode instead. Which to is your like, partner and like yeah. unload on them and you're miserable and you drink a lot or whatever. Like yeah. it's like, who, I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to subsume that. No. Just get it out. And surely there are people that do the the regular nine to five dull that they, this isn't their problem. They're like, no, my job is right. great. Like I show up. I was just talking to a friend who quit a kind of a more fast paced, stressful, artistic endeavor, but like in the corporate way. Right. To to just work at a retail shop. Right. And she was just like, I just, I have working hours. I know right. what they are. Right. There's a really clear higher, uh, hierarchy of yeah. who's above me. Yeah. Like I know who my boss is. Like I get a commission when I do well. Yeah. Like she's like, it's just there for me. And it's like none of this other feeling, you know, I know this. I know this. Like, I mean, there's a part of me that leaving airlift was a very hard choice, like extremely hard choice. It's something that I created with my partner, but I mean, it is, you know, born after Katrina. So it's like tied up in a lot of emotions to me. Right. And 14 years of working on the airlift is by the way, the, the nonprofit thing that runs music box village. Right. And, when I left, I said to myself, like, oh, my God, I may have to, like, <laughs> like we're in a coffee shop or, or wait tables again, which are things like I haven't put in a job application since I was probably 20 years old. Right. And I'm 51. So 30 years of not yeah. even thinking about this. I don't even know if I did it in, at 20. I don't even remember ever getting a job through an application right. in my life. Um, and so there's a part of me that's like, oh, I might have to go back to these things. And then a, a deep feeling of like, well, who gives a shit? Like, it'll be so good if I do have to, like, take a job like that. I, I mean, I love following my pursuits and and the bigger ones are they take up your entire life. There is no getting when I worked for Frida, it was 16 to 20 hours a day. Right. Period. And working for Airlift wasn't much different. Like once it be, once we got a home, it became something very similar. But there is a deep sense of comfort. Like I miss working in coffee shops. I just miss the I ease it. of it. I miss. I the, loved it. I miss the quick conversations, and you know, and in this town, it I worked at my heart. Yeah, I worked at Zots when it was twenty four hours. So I miss like the weirdness of that space and the weirdness uh, of being in the quarter or I spent like in the so much triangle. time at Zots in high school. That was like our the one spot. in the triangle or the no, one the one in on magazine on magazine. I mean on uh, Oak. oh oh uptown. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah my yeah. friends started that, and the downtown one was. Um, designed specifically to be this 24 hour, um, you know, salon, you know, like a conversation, like an ongoing conversation. Right. And they really succeeded at that. There's friends that I have to this day. People, the guy who does all my tattoos, Polly. I met him when he was like 15, like hanging out. Oh, after. I have a tattoo from Polly. Yeah. I met him when he was, when I was 15 years old going <laughs> to NOCA, but he yeah. would come hang out there cause his dad was a firefighter was working like, you know, 12 hour, 24 hour shifts yeah. and stuff. And it's, nobody's really home. So he was just hanging out at Zots for, for days. And That's you know, it was, I, I do miss that kind of, you know, maybe if there was a Zots here, like a 24 hour place, maybe I'd consider going back into that world. But there is like just the feeling of like, Oh, I don't have to fucking do anything. I don't have to like plan anything. I don't have to be responsible for anything. There are days I really love the size and scope of my life. And then there's days when I really, I just miss like working that job at Poppy's and going home and reading books for 12 hours. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I don't know which one is ultimately more satisfying. And I don't think that I, I'm going to get a choice in my life between one or the other. I think I just, I feel like you can have a balance of them. Like there's a way to yeah. have that in balance, you know? Yeah. Mostly it's just taking back time for myself. Exactly. And just keeping that to, to myself. Well, it's like we were saying earlier, it's like scrolling my phone is not relaxation. Mm -mm, like not I need to find the thing that relaxes me. And for me, that's staring in the mirror at 10 minutes looking at my face. <laughs> <laughs> for, you know yeah yeah and for me in a big way it's the post show feeling you know like mm -hmm. doing playing music I, I keep wanting to quit DJing and I 
kind of did for the COVID time. Easy, an easy thing to do during COVID is quit, yeah. quit your performance job. But there's something that keeps drawing back to it. And I think it's literally the feeling of post show like drain which is a real beautiful quiet empty space for me where i'm not like considering anything else and I, I i'm not even one of those people who really like choose on what just happened i do a lot of performances with people and they love to like eat it up afterwards and i'm just like mm -mm. i'm just i'm done i'm empty it feels great yeah and, and yeah that's what probably keeps me performing more than the feeling of being on stage in some ways yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know the feeling you're talking about. It's a good feeling. I go between two things. I either need that decompression and just to talk with somebody about it, or I need to completely decompress alone right. and just be silent. And like that feeling of just being like, ah, yes. Yeah. Like, all the energy leaves my body. When mm -hmm. I step off stage, it's like I could fall asleep like yeah. on the floor next to it. You know, it's yeah. a crazy feeling. Yeah. And depending on how I feel like the show went, depends on if I want to talk or if I don't want to talk, right. what I want to talk about. Like, yeah. it's so interesting. Yeah. I feel like you're lucky because you probably don't have shows where you're like, oh, I had a bad show. Um, I'm on stage making things up. So sometimes I really. Plenty of times. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plenty of times. What? I okay, think it's as unavoidable. A DJ? As a DJ? Yeah, definitely as okay, a DJ. Okay, tell me how you feel like you've had a bad show. At the end of a DJ set, you're like, that was a bad DJ set. Why? Oh, man. Uh, I need to understand Always. This. It's, you know, it's only because DJing in, in especially in this city is, is because I, I tour. So like I see what other DJs are doing in other places. And I've gone to. DJed at so many parties where people are just standing around or people don't seem to really care that there's a DJ or whatever. And I, because I live in New Orleans, can't even imagine what that would, what that is. Yeah. Like the whole notion that you would, I do do some brunch gigs now at like Ace Hotel and stuff. Okay. And, or I mean at a Virgin and Ace. And I'm like blown away by the joy I'm finding in not having to create a dance floor, you oh, know, just yeah. that's the failure. If you, cause in new Orleans, you know, and I've said this to a lot of people. So if, you know, for those who've heard me say this before, uh, to me, it's like, um, being a DJ in new Orleans where people love to dance as much as they do. It, it carries like in some ways more weight than, than it should. Like you really right. have a, an intense obligation to meet people where they are to play the stuff that they like, which is in a room full of people random. Yeah, like you don't you, know them. You don't fucking know what people yeah. really like or they determine what you are and then they want you to play that over and over again. That's another way of doing it. But I think of it like, you know, your job here specifically in New Orleans is really like therapeutic. You have to provide like this massive release for people. And it's, I would say, more intense than th than being a therapist because you can go to your therapist and walk away miserable you can pay like somebody two hundred dollars yeah. to sit with them for an hour and leave and be super depressed yeah. and you can't do that at my shows like you yeah. you if i if you come and you don't have the time of your life <laughs> and really like cut loose as much as you possibly can and go home as tired as I do, yeah. then it, then I failed. And, yeah. and there are many times like you, if Jamie was here, she would, she would laugh at this conversation because every time I walk out the door to go do a gig, I'm miserable. I'm like, I'm going to fuck it up. There's no chance in hell. Anyone's going to like this. Like there's so many other DJs that are better than me and who really know what people really want to hear now. And like everything's changing all the time anyway. I have all these <laughs> like a thousand like voices that just go on and on and then it's I come home every time it's like how'd it go I'm like great it was great yeah. I had a great time and it's mostly it mostly works out but then you know like the reason why I kind of quit DJing um in uh like slightly before COVID was uh, as much as possible uh, was that I just really I I had like lost 
Nikki to be in 2020 in 2014 and uh that shit broke me like it broke me in the deepest possible way and i never saw it coming like i've never i i don't have a lot i don't have brothers and sisters so i don't have a lot of people who like i really have to care for you know i have like a lot of nieces i'm i'm not close to my family in that way and losing him was so intense that i started i just got sad and yeah, for and for a good and for many many years i liked sad music because it, it reflected where i was at and i would go to these dj and it was still <laughs> and i'm like you know you know like crying rusty laser ain't what he used to that's, be that's what it felt like to me and then people would are so kind and they love to tell you things like that like oh well you should be playing this song or you should be playing this music or you seem to have like fallen off you know or like you know all these things happen in the dj world because there's a there's a um not really before there was a bunch of DJs, but when there weren't as many DJs, it was fine. You could just play whatever you wanted and people were happy you did. Then when now that there's a bunch of DJs, there's a bunch of perspectives that are really specific on, on what a dance party is, you mm -hmm. know? And so there's these really niche versions of what a dance party is, which is fucking awesome. Like, I'm yeah. glad that people who want, for instance, house music, there was not that much of it when, right. when I started DJing in 2006. There just wasn't. Right. And I mean, there wasn't anything in post-Katrina New Orleans, period. Yeah. So just playing music was all I needed to do and I could play anything I wanted and everybody was just happy that there was something fun to engage with. And as time went on, you know, like other kinds of music sprung up and became more like relevant than what I was like playing. And people literally would come to me. One guy dropped a, um, a friend of mine dropped a, um, like a thumb drive on me with like three gigs of music he thought I should be playing. And I was just like, there's, an unlimited amount of music in the world. There is absolutely no way I can play it all. And it, and I it was punched him out. I, I mean, eventually we don't, we just don't communicate okay, much anymore, yeah, but sense. it was one of those things where I was really like kind of crushed by it. It really like re really diminished my trust and my choices and like, and I, and you can see like how things change over time. So there, you know, I will say the only time I've had like absolutely zero question about every fucking show being perfect was with Big Frida. That's like that everywhere we went. That's <laughs> we, the best feeling. We went to like everywhere we went, people would be like, oh, well, nobody really dances here. And I'm really sorry about that. And like, I'm glad you guys came. The promoters would be like, glad you're here, but it's going to be boring. Sorry. You know, like we don't do that. And then I would just be kind of like, you know, like just that deep knowing where you're like, it's okay. Like, don't worry. It's going to yeah. be fine. Yeah. And then, you know, big Frida would literally just off stage, just say, you know, like, what's up Bloomington. And everyone in the room goes, <laughs> you know, like yeah. everyone explodes. That was every single time it was, it was except for like maybe once we played like a dubstep festival. Oh my God. And the stage was packed in front of us when we went on stage and the entire Crickets. crowd left. The entire it was a festival, so they just went away. It was maybe five or six people up front who knew who we were. Were the only people left out of thou a thousand people or something just disappeared. And that was, but I was with Frida, who doesn't give a shit. Like yeah. she has so much confidence and strength that yeah. it was, that it made it worth it. Yeah. That in the time that that Snoop Dogg's fans threw shit at us for like a twenty minutes straight. But what? But yeah. Why? We were um, <laughs> we were at this festival called Bomb Fest, which was this guy, sweetest dude in the world, uh, created it with his um, grandfather, who this kid created uh, vitamin water. 
like I don't know how to explain this. They're from Connecticut. <laughs> okay. They're in like you know some Connecticut town. I can't I remember which one. I am the vitamin water air. And yeah, he's the guy. He, no, the kid created it. And That's crazy. yeah, and he's young. He was like twenties or young twenties, and he was he created this festival um, called Bomb Fest, and like we were he he booked us. We didn't know anything about the festival, but he was like. Big Frida, he came backstage and he's like, Big Frida is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. I go to New Orleans. I love Big Frida. This is the coolest shit. I'm so glad y'all are here. This is so touching. So I'm putting you on in the 20 minutes between Coheed and Cambria and Snoop Dogg, and, which just seemed weird in every possible way. The 20 minutes between. It was the headliners, you know? So he was just like, I'm going to put you on right between them because that's during this basically what would be a sound check or set check, you know? He said, we'll put you to the side. He's like, I love you, so I'm going to give you this favor. The biggest crowd that we have, right? And so we go on stage and he went out beforehand and was like, hi, everybody. (laughs) It was so sweet. And he was just like, hi, everyone. Uh, This is my favorite thing in the world. And if you ever go to New Orleans, like, this is the real New Orleans. This is, I, I don't care what you've seen. Like, I don't care what you think this is absolutely the realest thing from new orleans you're gonna love it it's my favorite thing none of those people none of those people must have liked that guy because they turned on us immediately and i was with like very um you know it was like the dancers that we had at the time were very very queer and like you know super outgoing queer personalities you know right and so they had like this very like non-gendered vibe and it was like just or i don't know how to say that properly but you know like yeah yeah. androgynous androgynous vibe you know it was just like mixed and crazy but very 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 queer and Uh they just started throwing shit at us immediately bottles uh fucking anything and everything that they they were about to see snoop dogg yeah yeah 100 percent and um, fortunately, I was with that group of people because like f- it was fun. We had a blast. We didn't throw anything back because I was in the background DJing and I was like, nobody throw anything back because yeah. that'll be the thing that we get in trouble for. Right. So nobody threw anything back. But Frida was like pretending to suck dick on the microphone and like pointing at people and like going, you know, like, in the, in the crowd. like she didn't fall for it at all. Oh and we had God. the time of our lives. We walked off stage laughing like cackling yeah you know? what an insane time it was perfect then we went out on the street in this little town i can't remember what it was we went out on the street afterwards and there was like it was a college town so people were out and people came up to us one after another and it reminded me of like whatever you think of a moment is not important because they all these people were like i was in the back y'all were fucking amazing yeah those fuck those idiots they couldn't hear them they yeah. couldn't really see what was happening they just right. knew that knew, knew that like, there was a weird energy yeah but i'm just glad you know like with Frida, you don't leave, you don't like, yeah. you don't run away from a situation like that. You yeah. like eat it. Yeah. And, and so that, and that's why I probably have more like, um, of an appearance of confidence about performing and stuff. But in my heart, uh, uh, I'm the worst, especially DJing in front of an audience. Like, uh, the, anytime it's just me and I, I'm DJing, I open for, um, Africa Bombada in New York, which is very weird. Cause I'm wow. not a vinyl DJ, you know, like that's, that's yeah, yeah you should get a legend to right. open up for a legend you know right. i was just some dude at webster hall and nobody knew who i was and they put all these fucking lights on me and i'm like oh really, <laughs> <laughs> really? You're, you're like i dj parties yeah i was like i don't have this kind of energy you know <laughs> like i don't know how to like massage you you know yeah. and I, it was fine it was whatever but i'm now i go on stage and i'm like turn all the <laughs> turn, just turn the lights off. I'll be fine. I'm, I'm going to hide over here. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I, that was a long winded way of saying Oh, that, it was great. I loved every minute of that it. That I, I feel, I feel like I'm going to fail constantly and I'm always surprised if I don't. Constantly surprised if I don't. Pleasantly. 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 But yeah, yeah I have zero confidence. 
it's so funny because I am both incredibly confident and very the same. Like, I do this thing where I style people in clothes, secondhand clothes, and when they come, it's like a private shopping experience. Yeah. You can ask Kristen. Every client I've ever had, I was gonna they were they were gonna leave hating me. Oh yeah, you're convinced. I was, I was yeah. yeah, every single client. And Kristen is exhausted by it. Because <laughs> it's the same every time. Inevitably I say I'm not gonna do it and every single client I look at their rack right before they get here and I'm like, Well, I failed on someone else today. <laughs> you know, and every time people like look me in the eyes at the end and they're like, This has been incredible. Like yeah, nice. truly thank you. That's what's up. Yeah, and yeah. then I still don't believe it. So yeah, I yeah, hear yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you and I I, I want to talk forever. We'll just talk. We're, talk we're going to record a bonus own. episode also. Okay, we should also be friends and talk on our own. Love it. Number two, we're going to record a bonus episode. So if people are eating this conversation up as much as we are right now, <laughs> I think you're going to stick around and record with us. Yeah. So they'll get to hear more of it. So please go be a Patreon subscriber. We currently have five subscribers and one is a blood relative of mine. So <laughs> we would love to have you over at Patreon. Um, so I asked the same last question to everybody. Oh, I'll ask you the million dollar question. If you had, if you had an unlimited budget in New Orleans, what's something you would invest in right now? One, I can't say cause I, it's just cause okay. I'm trying to do it. Yeah. You're so, working on it. Yeah. Um, God, this, and you know, any one it's, project. It's not even creative. It's like literally just like a therapist on every corner. Do you know the sort of uh, like yeah. uh, the the in the Peanuts comic? You know, like the the, the little nice. psychiatrist yeah, five cents or whatever. Lucy, yeah. Yeah. So Lucy on every corner. Yeah. Just and this is this was a post Katrina dream that I really wished had actually been able to happen at post Katrina, but just like free mental health. Absolutely. Period. End of story. It's the only thing that I think is really fundamentally crippling the immense amounts of like beauty and joy and talent i mean i know we like we get it through again back to my therapy dance and as therapy thing we get it through second lines and we get it through all these cultural things we do get our therapy one way or another absolutely but they're to just, therapeutic though they're right. not quite therapy. but to just get in and like let people digest i have so many friends who are really young and like and and older but i mean really especially went through katrina um, at really tender ages and stuff who I just need more than anything in the world. They just need to explain th themselves yeah. in a non-judgmental space yeah. and know that, and just know for, uh, internally that that's not, that whatever they had to do to get to where they are doesn't, it, it doesn't Hell yeah. change much about like how beautiful they are and like what their, what their contributions could be. Everyone deserves that. <laughs> Everyone deserves that. I totally agree. I, that's such a good mission. Yeah. Um, and I hear here I support you thank you and then our final question I think you know um, is who's somebody you think should be on the podcast and you've sent me so many yeah, suggestions I have yeah so and I've reached out to some of them good so I you've sent me some, some are on my list of still to reach out to yeah um, but who do you want to say right now um, you know I'm so wrapped up in the bounce world and the and the people that most like blow my mind in that world are behind the scenes or on the stage but not but to the left or the side you know yeah so like there's so many people in the in management and other aspects of bounce that have really like held that thing together it's you know i mean i'm i'm i probably honestly the first person would be would be nikki b's mom yeah nicole yeah she's such a fascinating person and so brutally honest with who she is the first time i ever talked to nicole she just said mr rusty i'm a thug <laughs> she said i'm a, a thug i've been a thug my whole life that's who i am that's who you're dealing with uh -huh. you know and she was like but 
I'm going to work with you and I'm going to get to know uh-huh. you. And she was so protective of Nikki, like so deeply protective and really wanted him to be a different kind of person entirely than he was. And, yeah. but loved him so much through who All he became. That, yeah. 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 And just, you know, I mean, it, it's a weird one because again, like not a known factor, not a known entity, you no, know, that but, sounds, but that's, I hear that's the thing is yeah. that everybody is, relevant to what I'm trying to do here yeah because what I'm trying to do here is build community and the idea is that anyone watching or listening can see themselves reflect back in some way or another and that's like what community building is you understand somebody more deeply you are endeared to them yeah absolutely so oh yeah this is so good that was great did you have fun yeah okay well this has been Planet Nola y'all thank you so much for tuning in I'm Mary Jacobs this has been Rusty Laser among many other names y'all be in touch Thank you again to this episode's guest. Planet NOLA is produced by Carrie Mulder and Mary Jacobs. If you liked what you heard here, please consider subscribing to us on YouTube or all your social media platforms and pretty much anywhere you get podcasts. Also, if you really, really liked this episode, think about subscribing to our Patreon where we have tons of bonus content from this episode and more. It starts at just $5 a month and it would mean the world to us. Thanks so much, y'all, and be in touch.